You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York blue. Brian? It is I, Scott. <laughs> I Behold. do not recognize you. <laughs> it's a lot of face. A lot it's of face a lot of coming face. at you. <laughs> Extra face. <laughs> Now, Brian DeMena, now with 50% more faith. <laughs> <laughs> so for the listeners out there that, that are not catching the video, Brian, longtime beard haver, has no beard. That's a shift. Why? I'm beardless. Yeah, yeah. What, what happened? I, I don't know. I've made a terrible <laughs> mistake <laughs> it's way too much face it's just like i feel like my face is like tripled in size it's just like i'm on zoom calls on zoom calls all day and all i see is just my fat face in everybody's window <laughs> so did it start like was it a decision was it an accident somewhere in between you know, I don't know. You know, I I grew the beard like six years ago because I had been gaining weight, and it's a good way to like shield that fact. So I've recently lost a lot of weight. I thought, you know, I saw an old picture of myself where I was young and fresh and no beard. I thought, why don't I let's see what this will look like? But I just, it's just, I don't know. It's all jowls. It's too much jowls. <laughs> so. I is it only been six years that you had a beard? Well, that's a long time, but it is a long uh, time. I yeah. don't know. It's it's been a long time, but yeah. uh, there's pictures of me with Alice as a baby, and I don't have a beard. So I think even okay. then I was still shaving. I, I would always like grow something, but I was I would shave back. To, I was always going back to zero and then restarting, and then I don't remember when, but I decided I was not. I stopped going down to zero. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I stopped going down to zero, too, even if it's much subtler. But it, it is the, the problem with going to zero is it's irreversible. And getting back to whatever point is acceptable for a, a given person's face is just feels like forever. Like, when did you shave? How many days ago? Yesterday. Oh, yeah. OK. No, so, I'm oh. never going back to zero either. Like, <laughs> you've got whatever you've got. Like, but like. You know, it's shaved, but there's beard there. Yeah. Like, I'm not doing this ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing baby's ass ever again. That's really what, what it comes down to. Right, right, right. I mean, it was jar. When you just came, popped on the screen, I was like, whoa. It's not even, I'm not even, it's really not a comment on the quality of the look. But it just, yeah, like. It's extreme. Yeah. Well, it's funny, too, because I I mean, I've known you for multiple decades now. So I've seen you for extended periods of time, both faced and unfaced. And I I just didn't expect you did mention it in a, a group text or just a text. Or, you mentioned it some in some way. And I didn't expect to be so taken aback by it. But right. <laughs> it was jarring. Too much face. It's a lot of face. It's just too much face. 
now is your perfect opportunity to wear your orange sweater and your your other With all shirt. this face. <laughs> if you'd have worn the orange sweater this week, I might not have even noticed the the sweater. I think that's the key. Right. Next time you're yeah. viewing a new outfit amongst your friends, shave. <laughs> Right, that's true. That they won't be noticed. There's no time for the shirt. Right. <laughs> when this bunch of face is coming at you. <laughs> uh. Well, maybe my bro- children hated it. I'm gonna say that. Oh, really? That's interesting. My daughter told me she never realized that my nose was this big, <laughs> and my son <laughs> told me that he just wanted to punch me in the face. <laughs> so the, the reviews. Well, I feel, to be fair, I feel like that's Nate's desire, whether you're bearded or unbearded. And it's not necessarily exclusive to you either. I think Nate is just eager to punch somebody in the face. It's true, but I could tell he didn't like it. He didn't like (laughs) the look of this new face. I don't care for this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, actually, I don't I, think Nate liked being surprised with it, too, you know? Like, right. Right. That's what I, that's what I think. Yeah. Like I, did, I had heard nothing about this, <laughs> and now I'm just... Me- <laughs> I'm now supposed to just deal with it. <laughs> right. I wanted some input, at least. Uh, it's funny, because I, 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 I haven't been... I've never been bearded for the extended periods of time you have. I've dabbled in bearding, but I haven't. You know, but I did have one for a fairly substantial amount of time for for a stretch, and then I I got it shaved off while I was getting a haircut, and I got home, and Haley, my daughter at the time was hey, you know she's probably like three or something like that, and she started laughing hysterically and told me to go look in the mirror, thinking that I was unaware that all the face had, all the hair had disappeared from my face. <laughs> It's like I know it happened. Uh, can I? Can I move? I don't want to break up our our quality program here, but let, let me move my locale. Okay, that's a good idea. While you talk amongst yourself. Uh, well, well, I'll still chat. It'll only affect our YouTube subscribers, who, uh, you know, number, but but mighty. But they're mighty. <laughs> Very me, vocal group. Let me just get where there's a better connection and the quality that our fans come to expect. It'll be there. Okay. All right. Now look at this. Now, oof, even more face, Scott. <laughs> well, we're going to need a lot of face for today's episode, Brian, because it's jam-packed. There's a lot of action, a lot going on in the New York sports scene. So we're going we're gonna to begin today where finally, finally, Brian, Tom Thibodeau has shown us all the reasons why we have been doing all this housework at his home. Why we've been waxing his cars and sanding his floors and painting his house and his fence. He finally revealed his karate magic to us. No, you're right. You've been right about Thibodeau for a while. Um, And I think in that exact way of like, there's a reason for everything he's doing. You know, this winning streak has been unbelievable. But I really, I do feel like you know, I've always been, I think, reasonable in my criticisms of what he's doing. And I still would like to see Emmanuel quickly play more with the starters. Like, that's my one thing that I, if I were him, I would do that a little bit more. 
But I do think you're right in the sense that he, there is a reason for the things that he's doing. Um, even when they maybe don't, you maybe if you don't totally understand them, they're there. And, and it's also like he hasn't been just getting sort of criticized or like second guessed, but there's this tenor to it of like, he's an idiot, you know? And that's where it's always been like, come on. <laughs> maybe you'd, even if you say you don't agree with something he's doing, it's it clearly there's a reason behind it and it's not like madness. You know what I mean? Like, um, and so you look at the way like Reggie Bullock has been playing who, who played through some struggles early in the year and now is just like a beloved figure almost. He's beloved. Fantastic. You know, he, he's finding a better rhythm as far as like the Alfred Payton, Derek Rose, you know, how to do that. And even there was a game in this winning streak where he did play quickly down the stretch, big minutes, and he's kind of finding a balance there, you know, like, and even for the people who want, who need their knocks and Frank fixes, he's found little situations, situations where they, you know, like we need a little shooting. He's put knocks in there for a few minutes you know, found ways to like have Obi not look terrible for stretches and yet not overload him either. And, you know, here they are, you know, looked, looked two weeks ago, like maybe this was a swoon. We're about to fade and oh, well, this was a nice story. And in fact, they're now playing their best basketball of the year, have a legitimate chance to mean be the four seed for God's sakes. I mean, everybody playing well, so many guys playing best basketball of their career. Like, yes, I am now joining the Thibodeau dojo. <laughs> and, you know, what a job the guy's doing. I mean, what can you say? He's incredible. I, you know, the whole season, and it's not like I've never, and I would agree, you know, you've been reasonable about your critiques of him. It's just the whole time I've been thinking to myself, like, Everything you hear and see about this guy, like I felt like the criticisms of Fisdale were all fair. And I even just feel generally with NBA coaches, right? Like take the Knicks out of it for a second. You know, football, like oftentimes the coach is the identity of the team. If it's not the quarterback or the coach and the quarterback are so tied together that they're the team. Basketball is a little bit different where I'm not always entirely sure what certain coaches are doing or what impact they actually really do have on the game. But everything you've heard about Thibodeau, like there was no chance the guy didn't know basketball. There was no shot the guy didn't know what he was doing or he like, you know, had no idea how to run a team. And he's had success at other places. So I just never bought into this idea that like he didn't know what he was doing or that he was playing games with everybody with Elfried Payton, or that he would, like, do something to spite fans or the media. Like, like lose a game just to, like, spite fan reaction to Elfried Payton. Like, not going to do that. It's, it's just, like, a competitive lunatic. He wants to win every single game. Everything he does in a game, he's doing it with the intention of winning that game. So even if not everything goes perfectly, I always thought, like, well, there's something's gonna like he knows what he's doing right so no i think you're right i think he knows what he's doing and that's like where we are it's like look if you don't agree with every move the guy makes fine he knows what he's doing you know <laughs> like he's not if Alfred payton truly is like wretched garbage 
he'll get him out of there when and he has he's not playing him in crunch time anymore unless he has like a real reason to um i think the reason he has played him and, and it's like i think that i'm starting to realize like the reason he has played him it's not like he's such a force defensively it's just that like he has some traits defensively that he feels like helps his defense overall you know what i mean yeah yeah i do um and so it's not like you know oh he's such a he's so great and he's this great defensive player it's just like he fits this scheme i want to play and he does some things that help me play this way i want to play and quickly still learning and like he's figuring out the spots where quickly can have the most impact like i think where i'm like to me i still feel like quickly at his best just raises the ceiling of the team so i'd like to see that more often and i bet he would probably agree it's just that like he's not going to force it you know Yes, and I, I yes, I think you're exactly right on that. I just think he's not looking to force it. I think we want him to do that more because quickly is far more fun to watch than Peyton. So you're just like, I want to watch. Why am I watching Alfred Peyton? I don't like watching Alfred Bay. I want to watch quickly. <laughs> right. You know, but yeah, I think you're right. Like it, especially too when especially when we're in the winter and it's early in a 72 game season. And you have a rookie versus a veteran. There's just really you don't have to rush that rookie out there, particularly when we were able to tread water. And that kind of brings me to this other point that I texted to you earlier. But I do think that a lot of Knicks fans and a lot of Knicks Twitter that you know has been incredibly frustrated with Tibbs and the rotations this year. I think a lot of that is coming from people still living in the mentality of the Knicks being a terrible team. So when we're terrible, you have nothing to root for. So you're just thinking to yourself, you know, I don't know, throw Knox out there. You know, he, yeah. he maybe we, if we unleash Knox, we have a star in, you know, that's dormant right now. And same thing with the obsession with Frank. And it just got to a point this year where I was just like, guys, we don't need to obsess about the guys that aren't playing. They're probably not playing because they stink. Right. Like, Tibbs is not like, you know, I got an all-star sitting over here, but I, and I don't like his haircut. So right, right. sit down, you know? So it's just like, we don't have to think like that. We don't have to wish that there's magic we haven't discovered yet. The magic is happening right in front of our faces. <laughs> like, you know, Brian, even you don't have enough face for there to be too much magic to be in your face. No. And I mean, this season's become like, uh, I mean, just, I mean, I said, I texted you and, and Matt, like, maybe the most fun I've had as a sports uh, sports fan outside of the two Giants, Eli Super Bowls. Like, just been such a blast, you know? Like, I mean, so unexpected. I'm so invested. I love the team. They play so hard. It's like this identity we haven't had in so long, this star player coming into his own a young guy coming into his own like has a surprising rookie you know uh, a couple of redemption stories like just like really fun um and i think you're right like there's people who seemingly still can't get out of this like maybe we should have traded some vets for second round picks it's like come on like when are you gonna just like go on the ride and like it's better to be the fifth seed and lose than like get in the lottery <laughs> yes you know like and end up again with the seventh pick or something like come on 
Jump on board. I, I wouldn't change a thing about this team right now. Not because I think we're a finished product, we couldn't get better, but it's like even I was disappointed at the trade deadline that we did nothing. I kind I understood it. I wasn't like outraged by it, but I was like disappointed. But now I'm just glad. Like I want to finish the ride with these guys. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Right. This is the team. This is the team we've got. If we're you know making our major league run here, yeah. <laughs> this is the group. Right, trading Lon for Lonzo Ball would have been like Major League Two, adding Jack Parkman right. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so true, you know. Like I don't want Levar Ball sitting next to Spike Lee for this run. Maybe right. next year I'd be okay with it. Has earned the right to finish this out and see how good they can be. Um, you know, and it's funny. So, but like to that point. So I've come. I'm like I'm. I trust Tom Thibodeau. He knows what he's doing. He, like, has earned the to not have people saying shitty stuff about him on Twitter. I don't feel that way necessarily about the Knicks brass generally, who I do feel have made a lot of great moves. I think have shown restraint when they needed to show restraint. I think I was totally wrong on the Derrick Rose trade. They were right to make that move. He's proven he's probably the most productive player outside of Julius Randle. There's some ridiculous stat. I think his like plus Jonathan John Macri was sharing that like his plus minus was like something absurd. So anyway, where I feel that um, really confident in Tibbs, and I do think I, I trust the front office. I'm not saying like I think Leon Rose has done a really good job since he's taken off, but I'm not in this like. There's this now thing of like almost as though this this is this master plan that we're watching take shape. You know what I mean? That Scott Perry has been pulling oh, these God. strings and now this flower is blossoming where I'm just not going. Because, again, this season has so hinged on what I'm now dubbing the Julius Randle miracle, miracle, which is a miracle. It yeah. is nothing that anyone could have foreseen or known was coming. And... It, it shouldn't have happened. It doesn't happen very often. Nobody takes this kind of leap this late in their career. Um, and it's miraculous. And it is so much responsible for what we're seeing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, first of all, have you seen – can you think of another player that's had a Julius Randle type of deal? I don't know in, in the NBA, right? Maybe It's really hard to think of. Probably a couple baseball players – who juiced right <laughs> you know <laughs> right and usually that is the kind of thing that like it, it precedes a jump you know i mean i can think of like alex smith you know like in yeah. football like but it's not even on the same level but at right. least there was like a disappointing player and who took a big leap right there's guys you know i mean i don't know there's definitely examples if i really thought about it but like it's pretty rare to go from like Very. good play good to great in any sport this late Absolutely. I, I like. I hated him last year. I hated oh, he him was so horrible, much. so brutal. But then it's like you think about what this team like. How would we feel about this team if he was last year's Julius Randall? Right? It's like right. Nerlens Noel, and it's been this great pickup. And wow, what a job he's doing! Like, if Ju if Julius stinks, and then you're like, nah, Nerlens Noel. You know what I mean? Alec Burks. Are you really? You're like, boy, what a pickup that was. Or are you like? Well, this guy's, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. No, because it's, it's what we've been missing 
especially that was like the trickle down effect that Ewing had. Like, right, without Ewing, who cares about John Starks? Right. You know, like nobody. But Ewing made those teams relevant and so the those guys actually had a role to play on a team that could compete. And so you got to also love other guys. Like right. I don't think we love Reggie Bullock if if Randall's not playing like this, no matter how like how much if he if if Bullock was having the identical season this year that he's having, but last year's Randall's on the team, I could care less about Reggie Bullock. Right, you'd be like, get him out of here. Right. Like, who cares about Reggie Bullock? He doesn't make a difference. Like, right. yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's so like what's powering this thing, and I just like can't. And and it doesn't mean I don't like have confidence that they're going to make still make good moves. I like you know I, from what I've seen, and I I'm I'm glad Leon Rose is in charge, and I I do tr- think my sense is that he's going to do pull the right strings here, but I'm not about to like let Scott Perry take his bows and 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 act like the Knicks, you know the Porzingis trade and they that that, that this is all like preordained you know, right. their vision coming to life like i just i cannot go there no no way nor should anybody like, nor should anybody hashtag never forget scott right. Perry. it doesn't mean you can't enjoy it or say that things have worked out for, you know or that these moves have panned out but like come on no right you know it's funny because uh it's funny that you're saying that i i've i've since unsubscribed from uh bill simmons's podcast uh because of his japanese racism uh <laughs> against matsuyama i have canceled him cancel culture has taken over right but um i on instagram i caught like a clip of him and rosillo talking i think i think it was on instagram but anyway they were saying how uh i think rosillo was like tibbs gotta be coach of the year right and simmons was like you think i was thinking it's more like front office of the year is what's responsible for that team and it's just like again, like, are you watching this team? Are you like, crazy? Right. <laughs> like, what are you? I mean, and again, they've done a good job. They haven't made any stupid moves. They've seemed to have been careful when they should be. They, you know, they they did find some good pickups. But again, like you're saying, all this hinges on Randall first and foremost, and then Tibbs like giving us all the kind of extra sauce that a good team just needs. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's funny because we when, way back when the Knicks were starting, right? I think I even like said that I thought the team might be a little more fun than people thought, and that I thought we were going to learn a lot about Tom Thibodeau, who is like, you know, which had a great reputation in Chicago. His reputation took a hit in Minnesota, but then in hindsight, his run there looks better than um, it did at the time because they fell apart since he left. And it was kind of about, like, is he one of, look, there's coaches that matter and there's coaches who don't. And I, he's clearly one of those. Like, yeah. he's one that makes a difference. And whether he turns out to be one who, like, burns his players out and, like, you can't sustain this, you know, remains to be seen. But he's clearly one of those guys that makes a difference. Like, I don't I don't know how bad a Tom Thibodeau coach team can really be. You know, like, it's clearly going to be play hard as hell. It's going to be tough on defense. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, and I think that's an important point, too, because I think it's separate points that people sometimes consolidate into one, but Tom Thibodeau comes to your team. Your team is instantly a threat. Like, I think that's clear now. Yeah, they're dramatically improved. Yeah, but, like, it would not shock me if we don't hang on to Thibodeau for 10 years, and that's, right. you know, 
because Julius Randle might die in the middle of next season from complete right. exhaustion. Right. Somebody just starts hating him and yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Somebody just cannot be yelled at again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But God, I love him. I love our defense. Sure. Just waves of guys coming at the ball constantly. No, and you know, like the thing about I've always complained, you know, the hockey uh, subs, you know, every, yeah. the, the roles. Like, you know, look, you're you're definitely seeing that bear fruit. People knowing, you know, playing well together, knowing their jobs, you know, like all of that. Like, which you don't at the professional level, you tend to like roll your eyes at, but you know, when you're establishing a team, it still probably has a big impact. Yeah, and, and that's another thing too. Like, what a you kind of alluded to it earlier, but to have an emerging star that really nobody saw coming and RJ as, you know, an emerging young player who really got off to a very disappointing start. It does. It allows probably, it allows Tib to have tips to have a little more control than, you know, maybe he did in Minnesota where like, you know, you have guys that are a little bit more established, but he probably – we were perfect timing for him, I think, which is funny too because I think people like thought that we maybe weren't talented enough when he first got here. It's like, well, what's Tibbs going to do with this group? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, but he's he's made a huge impact. Yes. Big game. Big game. Big, to, next two are critical. Yeah, big, big stretch. I yeah. mean, it's like are we going to really step forward here and, you know – is a four seed our home play like a hosted playoff series on the horizon or like are we going to kind of be in that play in mix um but either way you know it's all gravy but yeah it's exciting yeah i want to bury atlanta tomorrow night i don't know why i just atlanta go away i agree i mean because like we're such the antithesis of that team right yes. like it would just be so great to like outdo them yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Let's get out of here, Atlanta. Uh, all right. I am going to do an ad read here. Uh, you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent listener-supported radio. Uh, radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you, as it has been so many for so many, 2020 was a difficult year for us financially, and every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. Please help by pledging whatever you can. RFB is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. All right, Brian. Uh, on to the NFL uh, the draft is fast approaching. I believe it's at the end of the month, isn't it? It's like the thirtieth. I don't know. I was going to ask when is it? Is it this? Know. It's not this week. I don't think so. I hope. Uh, well, I don't know. It could be. I've seen a lot of draft experts in my podcast feed. It feels like it's it's approaching. <laughs> yeah, it should be right. No, yeah, it's April April twenty ninth is the first night. Thursday, April twenty ninth will be the first night of the draft. Saturday, May first will be. Uh, <clears throat> Okay, so it's next week. Yes. Are we, do we know, or is it like going to be a virtual draft again? Do we get to see like Jerry Jones looking like a Bond villain and Bill Belichick's dog and all that stuff? Dave Gettleman fiddling with his computer and (laughs) with his binders, (laughs) sacks of binders. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Interesting. Uh, 
Well, speaking of not knowing what they're doing, we also have no idea what the Giants are doing. We don't. There's no consensus, right? Like, I, I have no feel. None. And you know what's funny? I don't care. I, I really. Yeah. It's not that I don't care. Obviously, I care. But we have so many needs, it feels like, despite having dropped, you know, $200 million or whatever we just spent. We have a lot of holes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Take whoever. And I have no opinion on, like, I, I don't think this is a very good edge rushing class. and But it also feels like any of the receivers that were slated to possibly pick up are also a great pick for us. So, like, I kind of just don't care. Right. I guess I just don't want to – I would like it to not be somebody – I would not like to see them pull in a Giants, like, wild card guy nobody's expecting. <laughs> right. Uh I would like personally. I would like to see them take an offensive lineman, but I don't. It doesn't sound. I haven't seen that. Doesn't seem likely. Um, seems like it's going to be wide receiver or edge rusher. But nobody seems to have any idea. I've seen like Waddle, Devontae Smith, yeah, um, Micah Parsons, a um, couple other edge guys. Like it, there's no one. <laughs> no, like I ha- no consensus at all. Yeah. Do you think that that's because some of this draft feels a little bit unpredictable outside of the top two picks? Do you feel that's because we have so many needs? Or do you feel, here's secret option C, that most people who analyze this really don't understand anything Dave Gettleman's been doing over the last couple of years, and so it's just impossible to even figure it out? That's probably part of it. Like, It's like, I don't know what the Giants are going to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's probably because there seems to be a lot of un- uncertainty on the receivers, on who everybody likes. And so people think the Giants might pick a receiver, but they can't tell which one's going to be there, especially between Waddle and Smith. Right. Um, and then on the on the edge rushers, there doesn't seem to be a consensus on, on who's going to be there and who's better. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting when there's not even much consensus on like what the position is. Um and I don't know, maybe it's the nature of like, unless you're like a top four pick, it gets a little murky, but it's just funny. Usually there's like a guy most people seem to be narrowing in on this year with the Giants. It's like, I've seen every single person as a different guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do think it's pretty shocking that we didn't pick up anybody really on the edge. In fact, we lost, didn't we lose Fackrell? Yes, we did. Fackrell's no, right. gone. So, I mean... It does seem pretty shocking that we did nothing. All the money we spent in free agency, we did nothing there. And yeah. it's also crazy to me, too, where, like, last year we signed James Bradbury to a big contract, and you would think that, like, okay, we're sh- and we had all these safeties, and we shored up the secondary, but, like, we really needed to get, uh, what's his name, Adoree Jackson? Is it, I guess, name right? Yeah, the corner. Yeah, so yeah. We, we had to get another corner in, in this offseason. You know, we signed Galladay to this big contract, but we also still might draft a top receiver. Like, it feels like, too, we, we were so depleted in some areas that it's taking multiple offseasons <laughs> to recover from it and yet still also not address an entire position that's incredibly important in the modern NFL that we just have nobody. Yeah. I get, yeah. I mean, it's like we're having to combine, use free agency and the draft on the same position is right. definitely an indictment of whatever you've been doing. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think you're right. On some level, though, I'm like, 
any of those, as long as it's, I, I guess I just don't care. I feel similar to you that like any of those sound fine to me. And maybe, and I'm thinking of it in a positive light, but probably it's more of a negative because it's like, right, we need all three of those things. So any, if they do lineman, wide receiver, court edge rusher, I'm fine with it. Right. But maybe that's bad because we... (laughs) It feels pretty bad. Like, I agree with you. I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if we took an offensive lineman, but we took two offensive linemen in the first three rounds last year. Yeah, no, and I mean, we took... We took Hernandez, Hernandez and like, and we took, uh, what's his name? Uh, Lemieux. Yep. Um, and we're still, you know, we still need a guard. And it, uh, I just think to me, we do have some, we have some nice weapons now, you know, wide receiver does feel like a luxury item. Like get that line figured out, you know, like even if it's a guard, I don't, you know, like I, I just think get that sorted out. Um, I don't know. Andrew Thomas, I guess he came on at the end of last year, but like, you know, it does look like we did maybe take the worst tackles of the first round first. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I still am optimistic that he's going to be better this year, but it's like, it doesn't feel like he is that franchise left tackle guy. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he could still be solid, but yeah. Yeah. I think we kind of, I think the... we we whiffed yeah yeah right <laughs> like it's not a devastating whiff because i think he's a good player and i think he'll be on our team a long time but like it wasn't like you know there were guys available who would have solved that problem like absolutely Werfs or even beckton the jets guy like yeah seems like we kind of made the worst pick we could <laughs> yeah was will hernandez a second round pick yeah he was like this is this is and this is bananas that Dave Gettleman still has a job. Andrew Thomas, fourth pick overall, first rounder. Uh, Will Hernandez, right, who plays right next to him, second round pick. Then we had a center who we had to teach to play center because we had no center. So right. <laughs> zero centers to teach this guy. He might be okay. Right. And Lemieux, fifth round pick. And Matt Pert, third round pick, which was kind of a project slash reach. Like Gettleman came into this job stating that he needed to fix the offensive line. And here we are all these years later, and he has put a lot of resources into the line, but we also had zero centers last year. I had to teach a guy to play center, and we still are trying to fix the offensive line. What are you doing? Yeah, no, yeah, it's still not looking good. Right, and not I don't know if we can fix the offensive line because we have zero edge rushers, and we still need another receiver. Yeah. We got, like, a lot of tight ends. are they good hard to say but we have a lot of them we do in fact i don't think they're particularly good no i in fact i think none of them are good caden smith to me is like maybe Knox. i want to say like caden smith is like fine he's made a couple of nice plays and then off of that He's gotten this reputation about, like, we need more Caden Smith. Like, false. We do not need more Caden Smith. Right. We need less Caden Smith. (laughs) Right. Has he probably outperformed, you know, what reasonable expectations would be of him? Sure. Do we need more of that? No. (laughs) (laughs) How's the sauce? It's good. (laughs) (laughs) 
you'll excuse me. I, I was an emergency. I was in jeopardy of that getting overheated. Oh, you don't want that. I didn't want that. I don't want to burn the sauce. But uh, it's coming along nicely. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't need we plenty of Caden Smith. I don't know. I, we can get more into the Giants as we, we actually yeah. when it's draft week. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm excited about the Giants, I have to say. Okay. Even though it looks bleak. I, I I think there's a chance that they were happy with the Giants. Okay. I'm on a very not fun roller coaster with the Giants. There are some days where I'm like, I think, you know, I think we're okay. I think, you know, yeah. things could go. And then, and then there's some days where I'm like, what what are we doing? Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's totally fair. I, I feel similar. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the Jets probably locked in with that Mormon kid. What's his name again? Zach Wilson. <laughs> Zach Wilson. He's a Mormon, right? He is, I think. Went to BYU. So right. It's, he should be. It's a good guess. He yeah. should be. He probably has to be. <laughs> but does that mean it's Steve Young a Mormon? Yes, I think. Yes. Steve Young is Brigham Young. He is. Oh, right. He's that those young. <laughs> I would have not have expected Steve Young, graduate of Greenwich High School in Connecticut. I didn't think you had a lot of Mormons in Greenwich. I don't think you do, but oh. well, very prominent one anyway. Yeah. But so they're gonna take Zach Wilson. Uh and I don't know. Everybody seems pretty sure that's the thing to do. But I don't know. I don't know either. And I I'm surprised that the fact that the Jets think that the, that's the thing to do isn't making people more people think maybe it isn't the thing to do you know like that right. i know it's a new regime and every regime is is judged by what they individually do but it, this is the jets we're talking about there's like some really intriguing quarterback prospects in this draft and i'm surprised how certain everyone is that the jets in foregoing justin fields in favor of zach wilson are certainly making the correct choice you know like if you were going to imagine how the jets could blow this pick wouldn't this be the way they do it yes <laughs> yes right like for over a year justin fields was the consensus number two trevor lawrence justin fields now all right. of a sudden you know, the Jets are coming with Zach Wilson. What do you think has caused the pendulum to swing so hard with the Jets? Because you're right. We should be seeing nonstop Kenny O'Brien over Dan Marino. Like, that should just be in every social media feed I have. It should be constant. And But there is an alarming amount of trust in the Jets. H did, the Jets did the Jets just get so bad? It's like those jokes weren't even, like, funny anymore. They were just too mean. <laughs> like, what happened? I don't know. I guess it's like this GM, Joe Douglas, has, like, a – following in the media there he has a good reputation and then i think the consensus seems to have been among the draft folk that zach wilson is the right pick so there's not this like backlash to it it's not coming out of left field it's not like they're picking mac jones although fingers crossed maybe they will <laughs> maybe they'll throw everybody off and select mac jones but um you know it is weird like how that consensus has emerged based off like you know he had if you look at their seasons right like very similar like really great but like a couple weird stinkers um i guess it's just zach wilson seems to have like the stronger arm 
Um, and, and it's a strong arm in a way that is, is very unique. Um, I haven't watched enough to like validate that. Um, but that's the only thing it can be based on. Right. But, it, but it's like, he's still not like, I don't know. He doesn't seem to me the physical specimen that like a Mahomes is or those kind of guys. Like, I just don't see that. He's also um, had a pretty not ins- insignificant injury to his throwing shoulder too. Really? Yeah. In his career. Not, not recently. I don't think, but that's, that's in his profile. It's part of him, you know? Yeah. I mean, he hasn't played the level of competition that a Justin Fields has. Um, I guess the flip side of that would be, he hasn't had the level of teammates that Justin Fields has. Um, but I am surprised how much it is like just agreed upon that this is what the jets are going to do. And that's correct. Uh, yeah, and I don't know. Like, is Joe Douglas? Where does all this credibility come from? Because he's he was worked in the Eagles front office, and Robert Mays and Kevin Clark loved the Eagles front office, and so that's like, is that really it? Or is it? Just- I think so. Yeah, it's because he's from the Eagles, and the Eagles have that little run there, which I would love to remind everybody was really brief, <laughs> like, very brief. Yes, and fell apart in spectacular fashion. Like Doug Peterson is not the coach of the Eagles anymore. Like- I know. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't have collapsed faster and uh, uglier. hardier right uglier yeah <laughs> yeah like just a rocket ship that went up and then came <laughs> right back down <laughs> i know just not built to last at all at all yeah and yeah. yet they were so lauded for being one of the smart teams in the league and like all these moves they made well all right i know it's how, like how are you guys doing now like yeah. not that long after. And Joe Douglas's Eagles experience was so fruitful that I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Um and yeah, I don't know. I obviously I'm a homer. Obviously I have like a, a vested interest, but you know, I don't Justin Fields, what is everybody overlooking here? Don't overthink this. Guy was awesome <laughs> at a school that was awesome. And he yeah. was the best player on the team. It's different even than Mac Jones. Like you know, sure, Alabama beat us in the national championship game. Like, I mean, you know, they both played on a good team, but Justin Fields was the best player on our team for two, right, for right. two straight years. And the two straight years, we, we were in the playoffs. So I, I just, you know, I don't get what happened to Justin Fields. I still don't get it. I don't get it either. Yeah. I mean, all the, and, and you know, the, like Trey Lance, like, what, what are you going to take that guy for? <laughs> You know, he's Justin Fields with just no pedigree. Right, like, no track record, nothing. No track record, yeah. Like, what? It, what's convincing you? I, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I, heard, I don't get it. I heard somebody say, uh, and I think this is true, this is really actually end up going to end up great for Justin Fields because he's going to go to a better team that's right. picking lower in the draft, and – that fan base is going to adore him because it's going to be like, oh, my God, how did Justin <laughs> Fields slip to us? Right. That's probably true. So, you know, I mean, maybe we'll take him. <laughs> right. Let's just hope it's not the Patriots. Oh, God, I know. I know. Please no, no. You know, it's funny, though. You just, you just throw it out there. But, like, if by some miracle, you know, he's slipping seven, eight, nine. Like, the Giants are, aren't going to be in the mix. So I mean, I, I shouldn't even waste my breath. But, like, 
they should be. Like, right. They should be. There's no reason that they shouldn't look at that and go, you know what? Let's go do it. Right. How? I mean, how, how did this guy get here? We can't not take this guy. Let's do this. Like, we'll trade Daniel Jones. Like, yeah. Or just, but they, I mean, you know, whatever. Or I'm, send I'm, him I'm, back to Duke. Who cares? Wasting like, my breath. They're not going to do that. There is no scenario where they would do that. But they absolutely should be thinking that way. Yes, absolutely. And I like Daniel Jones, and I'm telling you, they should be thinking that way. Like, what is what is like the least creative thing you could think of that would be too creative for the Giants? <laughs> it's like, like it would be alarming. Like, right? <laughs> it's too much. No, 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 no. We can't do that. <laughs> like, let's let's do a Daniel Jones run play with two pullers instead of just one puller. Like, right. It's like uh, an onside kick to start the third quarter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Okay. Let me see. Anything else on the NFL while we're here? On the draft? On the Jets? We're good. Uh, If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer because it's 2021 and... You know, people use devices of all sorts. Please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android, available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Also, please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming RFB events. You can sign up at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. So last week we recorded on Monday, and I had myself quite the little rant about how annoying I found it that... (laughs) (laughs) that the Yankees fans were just up in arms about the slow start. No, we can't hit with runners in scoring position. What's going on? How how dare the Yankees come out and have a slow start when I wanted them to start hot? (laughs) You know, like just all that. But we stink. (laughs) God. I was going to check in on this one because, yes, we enjoyed a laugh at all the panicky Yankee fans. <laughs> but, whoa, what's going on? Like, how bad is this team? I don't understand why they're bad. The good players. Yeah. You know? Right. Lots of them in all the positions. <laughs> right. Maybe it's because we have a guy playing at second base. And, I, you know, I, I just I know this isn't how you pronounce it, but his name is Odor. Uh, <laughs> I know that's not how he would pronounce it, but I think anyone, anytime you have an odor on the field, that's right. a problem for everybody. <laughs> I, I don't like that. But yeah, I don't know because they come up to hit, and I'm like, oh, there's another player that's like a, an all star, basically. I'm sure he'll get a hit. No, not going to get a hit. I. I was really like the most annoying thing to me was the DJ LeMayhew start because I'm like, what do we think? LeMayhew's not going to start hitting? Come on. This guy is a professional hitter. Right. But God, they've been bad. Just bad. Bad. Uh, You know, and like, yeah, I mean, just terrible. They're not scuffling. Like, they've been awful. What are they, five and 10? Yeah, something. Like, and I, you know, the, the measure for me really is, is like, I've just been getting angry. Like, I don't get angry. At baseball in April. Like, yeah. I can't remember the last time that's happened to me. But I've been, like, watching their games, and I've just been like, why? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And they're kind of the anti-Knicks. Like, they're just no yes. fun. They seemingly have – they play with no passion. Can I – you know, I'm, I'm not going to – maybe this isn't the reason, but I was a Girardi fan. Like, I thought he did, was a very good manager. 
And I them sending him packing in favor of like pulling a guy out of the booth. And I don't know if this is Aaron Boone's fault. I don't know how much impact a baseball manager, but I think it's a little like basketball in that like there's a few managers who win all the time, you know, or and win above their talent. And then it's very it's even in baseball. It's like more rare than maybe other sports. And I felt like Girardi, there were a couple of really garbage Yankee teams that he had that he scrounged like 87, 88 wins out of, you know, back in the like Vernon Wells, Lyle Overbay days. And I never thought he got enough credit. And then, you know, Cashman kind of gets a little tired of working with him. And he's probably a pain in the butt and sends him packing in favor of that nice guy <laughs> with no experience who, I don't know. You know, like, is Aaron Boone in jeopardy here? I mean, you know, he probably should be. <laughs> like, and I don't I don't mean to be like that, but what are we looking at here, Aaron? What is going, like, how bad is this going to get? Like, I mean, yeah. I keep assuming, and I, again, it's still, we are April 20th. We're in the first month of the year. It's hard to imagine this continues. But, like, if this Yankee team is bad, this, like, let's say they're bad. <laughs> Like, the Yankees got to make some – they could be looking at major changes. You would have to. You can't just – you can't be bad. You can't go into the season with expectations like this, not have a major injury, and be as bad. Like, they're bad. They're not just like things are happening. Oh, it's – you know, they're 5-10, and but it's not like a real 5-10. and There's a couple things didn't go their way. Like, they just have stunk. They've lost – the games they've lost. They've lost those games. And I agree with you. I like Girardi. And this goes back to something we've, we've said before, too, where I think there's a fine line where I, I'm I'm very pro-player pro empowerment and all those things. But I'm also not buying into, like, this idea that not every professional athlete has to love their coach. Just like not all of us get to love our boss. Yeah. You know? Sometimes you still have to just be a pro. Like, Oh, Girardi was like, guys are a little tired of Girardi. Like, oh, that's that's tough. Right. No, yeah. and like that, that he like, you know, the way he treated Gary Sanchez, he was right. like hard on him. It's like, well, how's Gary Sanchez looked since Girardi left town? Right. You know, like maybe he's the, and maybe Girardi would tell you like, look, I loved Gary Sanchez, but he's the kind of guy that you got to be on his ass. Like right. that's how some people are. Like some people don't require that and some people do. And, you know. That's the job of a, of a manager is to know who requires that and who doesn't. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, look, they, I mean, they, you still got to believe they're going to find a way out of this. Um, but it's, you know, they do have, they have Garrett Cole, but then after that, like they do have a lot of question marks as far as their pitching. Um, you yeah. know, nobody's hitting, but you, you figure that'll change, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> no, I know. And I do think, like, I think their main hope here is that Kluber and uh, Tyon. Tyon? Am I saying that right? They say it all the time. And I, every time they say it on a broadcast, I'm like, all right, I got to remember how to say it this time. And then I never remember <laughs> how to say it. But either way, those two guys, like, the big thing you got to hope is that they're very, very rusty. And they, they're going to need, like, the first month of the season to get back into form. And then we might get, like some production out of them as the year goes on. But if that doesn't happen, I, we're in trouble. Yeah. Somebody it's did, just not, it's not like a dominant rotation where you can be like, Oh, 
if our like there are, this is supposed to be a team that has great offense and then enough good pitching like get to the postseason and see what ha- you know what I mean like yeah it's not like oh our pitching is going to carry them um, so to not be hitting you know that's a big problem huge huge problem somebody tweeted this it was funny it's going back to what you said about them being the anti Knicks was like the co- like what did we have to give up to get this Knicks team the Yankees. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's we had to sacrifice. That's the life we had to trade. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, look, it's still too early ultimately to be talking about get firing people and um you know, totally panicking. But in defense of the people who have been panicking, it's now like, well, <laughs> yes. No. They look pretty terrible. Yeah. I was wrong. I was wrong last week. I was premature in dismissing the premature overreaction right (laughs) so i can accept that right if you're panicking we acknowledge you and we want to validate your feelings yes (laughs) i've empathized with you i feel you we feel your pain what's going on in queens how's the baseball over there you know pretty good like i think the weird thing about the mets is you're like trying to decide they're off to a decent start but they have a lot of key players not playing well. Like, I'm very, very, I'm officially worried that Pete Alonso is not good. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very unhappy about that potential fact. Um, I really thought last year, the pandemic, you know, short season, whatever, but he looks exactly the same this year. And that would be a big problem. But they're winning games. But a lot of their, you know, Conforto's looks like he's he's snapping out of his early season funk. McNeil, I still believe, is going to hit. Um, Lindor is off to a slow start. So it's like, do you look at it as they're doing, they're still winning their fair share of games and they haven't even played well yet? Like, I think that's fair. Or is it like, oh, you know, they've got some problems here that are going to show up. They're winning games, you know, in spite of, themselves i think i think you gotta to put the positive spin on it um sorry <laughs> but uh i think the optimistic take is probably the right one um you know i think that things look well they really won a game when jacob de pitched oh that's a start so, you know that's not the easiest thing for them to do <laughs> right. and they did it <laughs> inexplicably not the easiest thing for them to do uh oh uh, some breaking news here. Uh, Derek Derek Chauvin was found guilty of the murder of George Floyd. So that's happening well, in real time. That should be what happens when there's yes. video of you murdering somebody. Right, right. <laughs> right. Like a long video, too. It's not just like the very end where you're not clear on what happened. The entire murder was captured. <laughs> was captured on video. Right. And it's like... Well, did he do it? It's like, well, there's a video of him murdering the person. It's like, well, then that should be open and shut. Right. (laughs) No, there's video of, like, the end of the murder. Like, it's already... No, the whole murder. Right. Beginning to end of the murder. Oh, we saw the whole thing. Right. The full context is visible to everybody. Right. And the defense was, are we sure the method of murder was murderous? It was basically, (laughs) like, the defense. Right. Right. Yeah. Or should he be, maybe he should be allowed to murder that guy. Right. Like, well. 
Unbelievable. Uh, well, that's good. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not happy news necessarily, but it uh, it is. Right. It's, it's the end result day. of a of a tragedy, but at least justice is yeah is being served in this instance. Um, but you know, getting back to the Mets. Give me a little update on Michael Conforto because he, in our now defunct fantasy baseball league, uh, he was someone I held on to because he was a a young budding star, but also I liked having him to sort of taunt the league's Mets fans with in the hopes that if he, you know, had some sort of monster year that I was the one in control of Michael Conforto. Um, But so like, you know, like, who is he? Like, what, what do you get out of Michael Conforto? Well, he's been a little bit of a weird player in his career because, like, he's sometimes awesome. He looks great, first of all. Like, he's one of those guys who's at the plate looks like he's always going to get a hit, yeah. you know? Just one of those guys. He's got a gorgeous swing. And it's he's never totally put it together. So he'll have, like, great months, and he's been pretty solid. But then he'll have long slumps or slow starts, things like that. So he's been, like, good solid player, though, for – you know, most of his career. And then last year he was awesome. But the thing is with last year is, you know, it was a really short season. It was only, he only, it was only 50 games or whatever. Yeah. So that was just like, was that he finally putting it all together or, you know, he had one of his good stretches and then the season ended. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so this year he's gotten off again to a really slow start and, you know, it's a little concerning, but I think he's probably not as good as he was last year, but he's, I think he is what he's been most of his career. He's a good, solid player. Solid. He's not elite. Um, you know, he, he's also one of these guys that seems perpetually young. And then you look up and you're like, wait, he's 28. Yeah. You know, he's not a kid. Um, and they, they do have to figure out how much they're going to pay him. Um, he's due for a new contract. And I know that that's, they did, couldn't get a deal done before the season. Um, I don't know. He's one of those guys you like, um, but he's frustrating because he is so hit or miss and he's hot and cold. And when he's hot, he looks like he's incredible, you know, and then you're like, why? And then he has just long cold spells. That's interesting because um, that's exactly how I felt about him as a fantasy owner. So, I mean, it's not surprising, I guess. It's how you feel about him as a fan as well. Yeah. Uh, we're reaching the end of our radio show. Thanks for listening. Check us out on social uh, Giants Among Men, radio for Brooklyn.org. <laughs>